0: Today's episode was sponsored by a private donation from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for your support and keeping this train going. Welcome everyone to the Tons of Productions podcast on this Monday, September 30th, 2019. Today I talk with Dan Henshaw. He is a camera operator here in Vancouver, B.C. and has been doing it for quite a few years. He started doing his camera trainee back in the 1980s on Three Men and a Little Lady and has worked his way up bit by bit over the years to be camera operator. And now it has been that for, I guess, about 10 years. So he really knows uh, a lot of being on set, obviously. And um, he's also done lots of independent filming as well and uh, done cinematography for that so really interesting person and i know you'll enjoy this interview so here you go here is dan henshaw you are listening to the tons of productions podcast We are speeding hello Dan how are you very good Mike it's been uh, for, uh, having me on oh thank you for being on I, it's been a long time uh, since we've talked it's probably 10 years we saw each other on the commercial drive a couple of times but uh, we haven't worked together since 2008 ish I guess yep yeah
1: it's been quite a while
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so um, uh, um when we're getting into the story here I I was uh, wondering I usually ask all my guests who are on here, "Where are you from? Where were you born?"
1: I was born in Montreal, and uh, I kind of grew up. We, you know, my parents moved around quite a bit, and uh, but eventually we landed in a little town just south of uh, Montreal, in a little farming community, and uh, you know, it was the furthest thing away from uh, Hollywood. I was I was born a long time ago. I was born in 1955, <laughs> and uh, last century, and. Uh, uh, You know, we didn't have uh, what we got today, you know, phones and things like that. Yeah, no
0: cell phones, no internet, no nothing.
1: Nothing. Nope, nope, nothing. It was all word of mouth and things like this. And so, uh, I mean, Quebec is a kind of a a funny place because uh, it is a little bit isolated from the rest of the world in the sense that language and all that stuff. So uh, it doesn't doesn't really... um, doesn't really it, at that time it didn't really get out there you know in a sense that so Hollywood the idea of Hollywood was really kind of far away it was California uh, and all things California were really far away but you know with uh, Hunter S. Thompson's books and stuff like this that we all like to read when we were kids so, right? Uh, that brought everything a little bit closer but it was still geographically far away and nothing was happening in terms of like Hollywood moving someplace else like Particularly, Ormstown, Quebec, to uh, make movies. So, yeah, exactly. Understand...
0: Like today, yeah, where it's everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and apparently they they have found that little town a, lo- a, a good location for some stuff that they like to shoot. But
0: uh, well, you don't uh, you don't yeah, have so... a French accent at all.
1: No, I'm English. Actually, uh, I was born English, and uh, uh, in those days it was like. Uh, you you didn't have to take uh you know, French classes until quite late. So Oh I uh, see. So I did so I learned most of my French like from my friends and in bars and stuff like this. And I could speak pretty good bar French, but you know, I couldn't Yeah. <laughs> bar when I, when French. When it got to, so when it got down to yeah, when it got down to actually working, I was always a paragraph behind everybody else. So I decided to move to Toronto.
0: Ah uh, how old were you then? that,
1: that I was uh thirty. Uh, and uh, that's you know, I, I had gone to university in Montreal because uh, uh, university going going to university in Montreal at that time was really inexpensive. I was a mature student. I went back uh, uh, when I was, I guess I was 20, 26 years old, maybe. And what did you take? Uh, what was your major? Cinema.
0: Oh, well, okay. So you took film yeah. back then. Okay.
1: Yeah, I took film, but you know what? It was like, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I just happened to... How I got into business was essentially I went to California uh, to visit my aunt and uncle. Uh, I, at that particular point in time, I had nothing going on. I was, uh, you know, working construction jobs and things like this. And I just, you know, uh, wanted to go to California. So I, I had a motorcycle. I went down to California. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I got down there and uh, and my uncle said, what are you going to do when you go back to Canada? I was going to go back in like two weeks. I said, well, you know, I'll probably get a job in construction and this and that and and so he said, uh, why don't you stay here and you can work for me. I'll give you a little, you have a little place to stay in the back. And it was, they had a little pool house in the back. And the okay. Thing. And uh, so I said, what the hell, you know? I mean, at that time was, you know, pre 9-11 for sure. So that was like 1970s. And so you could kind of do something like that, you know. Oh, no passport for
0: Canadians or nothing like, no, no restrictions.
1: Nothing. Yeah. Nothing, not, like. When I went down over the border, I, you know, as I just said, I was going for a couple of weeks and I ended up spending a year down there. So, <laughs> yeah. But in that year, uh, my uh, working with my uncle, who was a pretty arty guy, and he said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I go, well, I guess I can do construction, this and that. And he said, no, no, no. He says, what do you want to do? And I said, well, guys, I had this dream to get into movies. And he said, well, there you go. Why don't you do it? I go, what? No, can't do that. <laughs> he like, you know. That's so far away, you know, it's like, and uh, he said, have you ever tried No. Well, then try. And I go, okay. So, so I got into a, a film course in California. Wow. And uh, it was a non-credit thing. It was uh, just a, a sort of an entry level thing, but it sort of, you know, gave me a good idea about, you know, Hey, I like this, you know, and I want to do more of it. So, uh, I got, uh, like story the, structure
0: and that kind of thing. And, uh, how yeah, to do a screenplay a basic, and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, you know, all short stuff, you know, like kind of like make a short film, this kind of thing, you know, and it was like, gotcha. uh, I had a little super eight and uh, that they gave us uh, to make a little movie. And I made a, a movie about my cousin studying and uh And so, uh, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't expecting any kind of criticism from it or whatever, but uh, all of a sudden, everybody went, Well, this is interesting. Why did you do this? And, do and I wasn't prepared for any kind of answers at all, so I got really kind of shocked by the whole thing and and kind <laughs> of withdrew and didn't want to ever do anything ever again because I didn't want to bring that much attention to myself.
0: You're in the spotlight, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I was kind of uncomfortable with it, and so but uh, but I did like the process, you know, and uh, and so uh, I liked it enough to uh you know, start making inquiries back in Montreal about, you know, whether they had film programs and, you know, film schools and stuff like that. So, um, so I went to, uh, so uh, lo and behold, Concordia had a film program. So I thought, okay.
0: Like broadcasting uh, or or, or cinema? That's what you're saying? They had
1: both. They had, uh, they had the broadcasting program and everybody said you should get into that. Uh, for some reason or another, that was a really hard program to get into, and I didn't get into it. But I also noticed that they also had a film program in St. George campus. That was Loyola campus had the uh, broadcasting, and, uh, you know, uh, program. Right. It wasn't really about film. It was more about about maybe news, mm-hmm. documentary, broadcasting, things like this. And the uh, St. Search uh, uh, the Sir George Williams campus had an actual film program. It had a a faculty of fine arts film, right? So uh, so, so I tried that one out, and uh, I kind of fluked into it because everybody at that time was uh, uh, wanting to be a director or a writer. And Oh, uh, yeah, I know.
0: Everyone I, was looking to, yeah, yeah, they don't want to be yeah. anyone in the crew or whatever, a cinematographer. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, and I was the only one who wanted to be a cinematographer <gasps> because of the experience that I sort of went through in California. I didn't want to be in that kind of a limelight where I had to explain myself. So I thought maybe it would be better to be behind the camera.
0: A tech guy behind the camera. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't have anybody that wanted to be a cinematographer. I was actually the
0: only one that applied. That is hilarious. I've already interviewed another woman. Same thing. She went to school and same thing. No one wanted to be a cinematographer. She's the only one. And it was because, but I think a lot of the directors and a lot of, or people that think they want to be a director, want to be a cinematographer they think it's all one yeah. thing they don't realize yeah. that it's a uh, dp is like a separate thing on its own in every film
1: yeah yeah it's a, like yeah he has a different role i mean he's got to complement uh, and, and, and realize the uh the director's vision in the perfect world that's what happens i mean in right right like a, in the factory process of course it's not quite like that you know it's it's a little bit different but but if, uh, if you are making films, making movies and stuff like that, then, then the DP is kind of in bed with the uh, director, as it were, and they, they, they're trying to understand and contributing in the, uh, the vision, you know, along with the production designer and everybody else. But,
0: but you're not up front uh, when you're in that position. You're not like the first name and the, in the um, one doing interviews and shit.
1: There sort of it was this uh, kind of thing that came up, you know, like Wilmo Sigmund and all that, that it became a superstar. DPS and I. I think that's maybe, true. Maybe, maybe there's more DPS nowadays. That maybe there's there's a little less of that kind of superstardom going on. But then that was like film as well, right? So film was sort of regarded as a much more, you know, technically uh, challenging medium. I think to get the consistency and the tone and everything. And nice.
0: when you started, it was film, right? Yeah. yeah right. It
1: was yeah, yeah. So I went to Concordia and got in as a cinematographer and shot everybody's movies, and I really liked that. I shot about seven films. Wow! Uh, yeah, and, and the, each one was better than the last, so I was kind of pleased with myself. And
0: uh, you learn from uh, each gra- endeavor, each production.
1: Yeah, well, you take more risks, right? You you go you you uh, you want to do something different. You don't want to always do the same thing, right? So yeah. So so I was taking more risks and and uh and they were all paying out you know and I ended up getting this little you know award at the end of the year for best cinematographer because maybe I was the only cinematographer <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't anyway, put yourself anyways. down like they
0: should be the only cinematographer that's why you got the award i mean
1: <laughs> well, you know you know self-deprecating humor right yeah no, i know i know Anyway. but uh so you know Uh, and a lot of my friends were french and uh uh and working with them i realized that if i was going to get into the real world in quebec and and by the way there was no everybody all the guest producers that we had come in was saying how lucky we were going to be you know this was a chance that we were going to have a camera in our hand that we may never ever get to work in a film business again because of the sort of limited uh, the limited prospects that were out there after film school. It was no, like, like they were all saying that there was no real, yet, you know, these guys were sort of doing it, you know, and that sort of was a question as to okay, so if they're telling us it's so hard, then how did they do it kind of thing? And where is it, Why are they where they're at? They seem to be, you know, quite successful and well-known, but most of them were like local Quebec directors and uh, cinematographers. And, and
0: Well, did their own production instead of being hired by a production.
1: Yeah, exactly, and uh, you know we had a couple of guys from the NFB come in and kind of say the same thing and stuff like that. But you know, unbeknownst to me, there's this whole other industry going on in Toronto. You know, so when I got out of film school, I realized that just by working with my friends and stuff like that, that, that my French was not good enough, and and there is a preference for like totally bilingual people in Quebec. So I decided I was going to go to uh, Toronto, and uh, my look wife for was work there. Yeah. Yeah. Get in. And so when I got to Toronto, I called up uh, the IA and I asked them if there was any like entry level positions. And, um, they said, Hey, we just started a program for trainees and stuff like that. So you're one of the first guys. So you're in. <laughs> nice. Right? That's what I said yesterday when I te- texted you that it was luck. It was just being in the right place at the right time, you know, with the right attitude and, uh, uh and uh you know having all these opportunities like they didn't have cinematographers to go to school then all of a sudden they have a training program that they need because they want to bring people in prior to that everybody was trained in la so they would send actually send assistants down to
0: oh i see
1: quite a few of the older operators that i knew uh got to know they uh, had been down in la working uh, with the union down there and getting getting the training they needed to come up here and do assistant work and stuff like that so
0: so when you started you were just a, a trainee and um th- this was like a new thing in toronto uh how did yep. it work
1: uh it worked well i mean the first movie that i got onto was three men and a baby and uh <laughs> i
0: and, saw uh, that on your thing
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, and so they you know uh from there it was like the union just it, it, the, what they do now is they assign you to all the trainees to a production right and it's, uh, for me, I guess it was a six-week rotation. I can't really remember But, you know, all of a sudden I'm making money. I'm making more money than I ever made. Like <laughs> yeah. You
0: broke right up till then.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my <laughs> wife was making way more money than I was. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so now all of a sudden I'm starting to make money. And uh, I'm, I'm a little slow uh, when it comes to, because I want to have a thorough understanding of things before I, you know, take the next step. Right. and uh, I decided uh, to um, uh, uh, be a trainee for a little bit longer than I than a lot of my peers like a lot of them couldn't wait to get out and start you know seconding and whatnot you know
0: but you want to be and sure before you take that step yeah
1: yeah I wanted to I wanted to be I wanted to know I wanted to feel confident myself I mean uh, you know this is still rather new to me this stuff, and uh, and so you know, feeling probably as lucky as I did. I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess it up by, you know, over by, you know, uh, being too ambitious.
0: Yeah. Get overzealous. And
1: yeah. Yeah. Overzealous. Good word. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so anyways, uh, so that's, that's kind of how it all began. And I mean, like if I was to try to, you know, advise anybody or suggest to anybody how to get into the film program, I would say, you know, uh, do whatever you can to sort of build up some kind of resume and that to get yourself into, you know, if you're young enough to get into film schools to get then use that to get into, you know, the industry and whatnot. I think that, that uh, the screening progress is a lot more rigorous nowadays uh, to get in. I know some people who probably should have become trainee candidates that didn't become trainee candidates for one reason or another. Right. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that stop anybody. I would still keep on trying to get in you know and keep on
0: doing well i know indie people that uh uh have pretty well know like four departments inside and out because they've done it for 10 years in the indie world and never really uh applied it in the union world and go to professional but when they start they have 10 years of experience like yeah so they know and and if someone's brand new and they come in well that's what they can be up against right
1: it's a bit of a machine you know it's like uh you know we had the training program was, we had the training program so we could learn off the old guys you know and so the old guys would teach the young guys and and so there would be sort of a pedigree or a sort of uh, you know generational thing that would go on from and i mean a lot of it's different now because of uh uh using video camera, digital cameras right and, but the, the principles are still basically the same you know you still have to you know uh have a high level of focus and attention to detail. and It's all about detail.
0: Oh, and angles and lighting and everything is as is similar. It's just the medium that you're recording on. Yeah, that's about right.
1: Yeah. I think I find it better because what you see is what you get. You know, you don't have the anxiety of going, you know, of waiting for the next day's work to see it, you know, like dailies. Dailies could be a lot of fun, but they could also be like a, a horrifying experience too. Because like if there's a problem, right, everybody sees it all at once and then you have to explain yourself and it's like, you know, uh, could be instant death, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. this they, pretty cutthroat industry. I mean, if you yeah. screw up on multiple occasions, they'll find someone that doesn't. <laughs> like, That's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's it's right. Not uh, and I don't That's think right. it's personal. It's business. I mean, if I saw 2 business. million bucks yeah. into this movie and you screw it up, well, who's this yeah. guy? You know, well, like, screw it up my two million bucks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that and that's kind of the way it works as well. You know, when you've got somebody who has a track record of doing, you know, uh, you know, $100 million productions and stuff like that, they're going to get the job before you do. So, right. You know, like, if you've been able to carry and, and uh, work a film like that. If
0: you specialize in a certain thing, I've talked to other cinematographers and they said, say someone specializes in car shots. Some guy specializes in... Um, advertising and package uh, uh, the way they make chips look or something like everyone has a specialty in the in um, the cinematographer world
1: yeah I go out on a, a bit of a limb here and say that's kind of an la thing you know once you get sort of uh, you know defined like that in la you kind of always do that my well uh, oh, so you get typecast it's even a, if
0: it was crew <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah oh wow essentially yeah my brother-in-law directs uh, a lot of commercials and stuff like this and that's always that's his whole career oh. so yeah he produces directs sat down in LA and he's tried to break into the uh you know mainstream film business uh, or movie making as it were and uh way back when and he's a great writer he writes a lot of scripts but uh the thing that he seems to get called for the most is um like uh Toy commercials and stuff like
0: that. And the so. more he does it, the better he is. And then the more he does it, the better he of is. And, yeah, know.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's made a good living for himself doing that. But I don't know that that, I'm not 100% sure that he's, you know, that's what he always wants to do. Maybe he's, maybe that's now. I don't know. So,
0: <laughs> so, so, uh, when you were in Toronto and doing this, and then you started, uh, um, working your way up, basically, how long did you stay in Toronto? Uh,
1: I was in Toronto for, uh, for, four years from or uh, yeah, well, five years. Uh, we moved out in, uh, to, uh, Vancouver, 1989. Okay. And it was a bit of a, a risk because, uh, I did the last feature film in, uh, I don't even remember the name of it right yet. It's, uh, perfectly normal. And, uh, it was the last kind of IA feature film of that year. And, uh, I was second assistant on it and a good friend of mine now Angela Colovecchia was uh, the focus puller on it now he's like a, a really hot steady cam operator in Toronto and camera operator in general but uh, um, I did that last movie I, we had actually moved out to Vancouver and I went back to oh to finish Toronto. the production yeah okay yeah and uh, so uh, but it sort of got down my wife was uh, French and I was English I just wasn't going to go back to Montreal to try to do a career in Montreal, and she didn't like living in Toronto because she's from Quebec, and there's that little bit of a Montreal-Toronto rivalry thing. So we thought, oh, we both like Vancouver. Let's go to
0: Vancouver. Nice. But I did. Yeah, I didn't.
1: I didn't really think that I was going to. I didn't know whether I was going to make it in in uh, Vancouver, as it were, because things were slowing down in Toronto, and sort of at that particular point in time. It was all one union across the country. It was all Toronto-based. Okay. So yeah, so uh, the we were dividing. We were in the process of dividing, and uh, I guess in nineteen ninety, I think that was complete. And, uh, we became six six nine, and they were six six seven. So. so
0: so you were like actually, your career spans the uh, evolution of the film industry within Canada because kind of you started. Yeah, it was super eight. You went into film, yeah. doing actual film and loading like. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and, and like then, dailies and, and were different and everything was different i'm so used to the digital yeah. world and spoiled i guess yeah
1: well you know i think like i say i think things are a little bit better now because what you see is what you get you see what you get right away you know and then you can do it again you know if uh, all things being equal it should be super easy and and uh but you know it's only people that make it difficult right so you have the right combination of people, and it's uh, a blast. It's like uh, you have a really, you know, creative good time, you know, making making movies.
0: Well, yeah, it was uh, was the days uh, longer or were the scenes longer when it was film?
1: Uh, well, I think again, that's kind of a budget thing, you know, and, and a, a little bit more. Uh, it seems as though we can do things faster now, but uh, yeah, like so. I um, mean, you show
0: the dailies right away instead of setting it yeah. up and someone sets up the film and then runs it through and does all the stuff, you could just right away go look at it. Oh, you don't like it? Yeah. Do it again, go again, and within two minutes or something,
1: yeah. Well, day, days are days can still be long, but it's, it's usually when you have like good production producers and stuff like that that sort of be mindful of what's going on and sort of you know kind of oversee things if you have a uh, uh sort of a director who is uh, you know you give carte blanche to then you can sp- still spend long days doing stuff you know to give them that kind of
0: a blank check right oh yeah uh, a lot of money that's yeah. usually comes out of budget again yeah. it's one of those things yeah. where endless money oh the director can have 18 hour days every day no one cares yeah.
1: Well, I, yeah sure i've heard of uh things like uh you know i've heard things that like the dollar exchange, uh, the discounts that we give on, you know, we have, we used to have one contract and we would make concessions on that one contract. Right. And now we have like tons of contracts and, uh, and, uh, we don't necessarily make concessions on them, but you have a variety of contracts you can pay. So, you know, really, uh, and, and a variety of different rates too. Like for, you have the low budget rates where you don't have to pay, uh, crew as much as you would on, uh you know, full scale feature. Right. You know,
0: or like and CW so, show or something big that was actually on TV, ABC or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have their own categories tier one, tier two, and, and they can qualify for, for different contracts as well. So, oh, you know, I but see. yeah. So when you get to the dollar difference and you get to the, you know, typically, you know, crews used to be paid more in Toronto, uh, bank uh, Hollywood. And, uh, and so you would, be able to, um, you know, get a, pick up a crew up here for a lot cheaper than you
0: could down in um, in L.A. And that's why a lot so of people that, filmed they, here? Like, they were like, oh, yeah, when they, well, when they that, saw how cheap we, it was. That,
1: well, we have a great infrastructure. We have uh, a number of contracts. We have, uh, you know, great locations. We have really good crews. We have top-notch crews. I think our crews are just as good as any crew anywhere.
0: Oh, I've, had, and, uh, I've heard that. I've worked on a show where they filmed most of it in Toronto and they came here to do reshoots and I, you know, worked on it for a month and they were saying, oh, we should have done the whole movie here. <laughs> yeah. And nothing against Toronto film. It was yeah, just that yeah, crew. No, no. But
1: uh, I, th- I, I think that, you know, yeah, I, I, a lot of shows that I've been on, you've been the best crew ever and stuff like that. I and mean, sometimes you think, okay, that's just words, right? But right. Um, uh, I think that, you know, I think we have like, we have great crew here uh, and, uh, uh, you know, they can compete with anybody.
0: So, Oh, I think so too. I've, yeah. uh, uh, when I got involved, uh, uh, it was, this was years ago, it was probably about five years before I met you. Um, and just started doing background and doing PA days and kind of seeing, cause if you're not from the film world, you, you like, you know, when you first started the same thing, you're kind of nervous. You don't want to be pointed out or singled out because like, there's a hundred people, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, but when you really, after a while, you really realize how professional it is and to watch it is, is mesmerizing. I, I watch a, when someone and calls rap, it literally yeah. within half an hour, the stuff that took hours to set up is gone. Like, gone. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Back, in, back in the trucks ready to go again for another day.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. wild. So no, we oh i was gonna ask you well, when did it switch from film to digital like was there was that the, that was a progression over years obviously but i mean now it's just strictly digital and you do what film for something to do it's like putting on an lp
1: yeah i think it sort of came and went a little bit you know like it wasn't like I, my memory of it is is that when it first started it was a, a lot of it was kind of like you know more experimental and they tried different different things and the Stump stuff didn't work, and so they went back to film for a bit, and then when digital got better, they came back to digital again and tried it out again. I, I you know, I think I can't remember exactly when all of a sudden everybody went digital. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, but because it was kind of a gradual process. I mean, it's like it's kind of like what it is now. I mean, you you see, uh, everybody was happy with two K, then all of a sudden four K comes along, and now six K, and and uh, you know, Japan is. You know, started looking at 8k and, you know, yeah. and everybody's good yeah and everybody's going like okay so when is uh when's all that going to become real so it's already becoming real but at the same time it's not in daily use every day. the day i mean we still use 2k cameras and stuff like that for a lot of stuff that we do and right you know netflix wants 4k and yeah you know there's yeah so there's and then and, well, that can you be know, the it's nightmare it's a,
0: of being the owner-operator. That's the other thing, right? You have to stay up with the new buyers, stuff yeah. that comes out. You always have to yeah. you know, go 4K, now 5K, now 8K, yeah. whatever it is.
1: Yeah, Sony is uh, Sony's pretty good with that, though. I mean, like, I, I have a Sony FS7, and they've already come out with a Mark II, but, you know, it's basically the same camera as the FS7, and the FS7 does, takes great pictures. Nice. And now they've come up with the F- FS9. It's like shooting 6K but down sampling to 4k. So, uh, I mean, you know, there, there's, there's sort of a little bit slower to, uh, to get, you know, their cameras developed. They're not just dumping a brand new, like total state of the art camera on the market, they're, they're gradually easing into it, you know? So this camera now is now Netflix, uh, approved so you can, we'll probably see that maybe out there somewhere, but maybe that might be for more
0: documentary stuff. I'm not sure. So, so we'll they check with people like that, like Netflix or like prime or anybody that you, it will be accepted because if you don't do the medium properly and then they don't accept it because it's shot on this kind of camera, you're done and they've sunk yeah, all they this have, money into it. And
1: Well, then I mean, yeah, it certainly limits. Uh, it probably limits you. Uh, and in, in, in many ways it does limit you because like, it's like, Okay, so I want to sub rent my camera, but I can't sub rent my camera because, you know, it's not approved by Hollywood or whatever. You know, so right. I'd say it's not approved by Hollywood. Maybe it's not necessary in Netflix, but you know, yeah, yeah, maybe like somebody else, uh, exactly. Anybody. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I can rent my camera up for documentaries, but I can't rent it out for, uh, you know, series work or something like
0: that. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's wild. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So as an owner operator, it's, uh, you know, but I, I like, like lately I've been shooting my own shorts. I've done like three little kind of kind of back to film school days again where I was doing uh, like
0: stuff you uh, wrote.
1: Nope. Other people's stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it's like going back to film school again and starting all over, you know, in many ways, because I've been, I've been a, a second assistant, a first assistant and uh, now I'm a camera operator and now I'm dabbling with lighting. So.
0: <laughs> well, you, uh, you, I, I'm certainly, uh, certainly grateful for you helping me out during that time. I mean, you just got the Steadicam rig. That's what Darlene told me, yep. or something. And, uh, yeah, and you wanted to try it out, and you're like, okay, I'll come out for a day or whatever. You, did, you know, yeah. you came out, did all the Steadicam shots, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. That was the first time I've ever worked with a Steadicam, too.
1: I kind of learned something from that too, you know. So, like, uh, like uh, over the years, I've been amassing, you know more and more equipment than that so now i've got a dolly and a jib arm i got a head nice i, uh, I want to get the you know uh i want to get a remote head and, and all these things you know so that when i'm finished with this business as it were that i can still carry on doing shorts and stuff like that if i if that you know if i'm not broke in the meantime i gotta sell it all but
0: <laughs> well you did a, a like photography as well on the side and that was just for the love of cameras like when you once you got into this or have you done that the yeah. whole time the photography
1: well, I, I got into photography in university, and uh, but it wasn't sort of it was sort of as a um, addendum to uh, cinematography. Okay, you know, it just seemed to be a logical thing to get into. So I got into fine art photography. I wouldn't say you know any. I, I wouldn't classify my photography as necessarily you know fine arts. It's sort of like I I call myself a, a GP, general photographer, so I can you know I can you know shoot. Like with strobes and I can do portraiture and I can you know do some landscapes I, I shoot for uh, a mining company every once in a while and they send me up to do all their brochures and anywhere wow. reports and stuff like that you know I've done a number of website photography and stuff like that but what it's about not stills like and stuff I, I, well that's that's what I do is stills I don't do uh, like video you
0: know right I do
1: mostly stills oh okay. Like, in, in that sense, but my main, main, my main business is, is camera operating. Right. right. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. And you've been doing it for a while. I mean.
1: Uh... Yeah, about 10 years now, 11 years, something like
0: that. Huh. That's awesome. Um and I got good
1: breaks. I got lucky on that too. You know, a friend of mine was a DP and, you know, he would have normally given a, the job to the, uh. A camera assistant, but the A camera assistant figured that her role was too big on uh, his shows, so uh, she sort of declined. And he said, "Well, why don't you try it?" I said, "So I started doing C camera operate days, and uh, then he got a little Hallmark directorial thing. He asked me if I could come on to B camera with him, so did B camera with him." that's been my, like my career. It's just sort of been in the right place. At
0: the time. <laughs> I love that. It just falls yeah. in your lap when you need it the most or. Kinda. Yeah. That's, sort of. That's sweet. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice for people getting into uh, camera? I mean, you've had a lot of these just, uh, lucky breaks, but I mean, as far as you working with other, um, camera trainees and stuff, and, uh, is there certain things that, uh, they should be aware of when they start?
1: Uh, things are a lot better nowadays. Um, Assistants, focus pullers, and, and uh, camera people in my day, when I was training, were really tough. They were really hard on you. Uh, there was uh, like, like hazing. I talk about not so much hazing, but just like I think it's the it was the nature of the business that it was like it's so precise, so so precision oriented. And, gotcha. Uh, any 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 little little thing, you know, and so you could get. It was like walking through a minefield in a sense that you wouldn't see mistakes until they happened uh, the next day, you know, so, um, um, uh, and it was like, people would really be like, and everybody worked to such a high standard that if it didn't look like you were doing that, then people would make very quick judgments about what, you know, what to expect from you or, you know, and treat you like that, you know, and I was, it was kind of a, I, I kind of, uh, made a, promised to myself that I was never going to treat my trainees like I was treated in many many ways. Oh. When I wouldn't I wouldn't say abusive but uh you know could be. Well in no, I cases.
0: I've had a friend that uh was a camera trainee and he quit because of the way they, they treated him on the show. This was I don't know. yeah Quite a few years ago. Um yeah. but he's like screw that, you know, and yeah. and uh yeah, he he said it was really hard and he obviously didn't want to get into it because it wasn't willing to stick it out. But if you have that love and that passion, then obviously you were willing to stick it out, even though you're probably insulted quite a bit during the time.
1: Yeah. Well, my wife's, I told, uh, after my experience, my first time around on, uh, three men and a baby, I said to my wife, this is the film business. I don't want anything to do with it. She said, try it out one more time.
0: Oh, so I, yeah. went,
1: so I went out and, uh, I, then I got in with, uh, a, I was a trainee with uh, my friend Angelo and, uh, uh, it was the best experience. So I stayed.
0: Trainee with your friend is b- major difference.
1: It wasn't, he wasn't my friend at the time, but he was a fair guy. And he became a very good friend of mine.
0: Oh, so, okay. And is that, is that, uh, how you treat trainees then from then on, you kind of learned from him?
1: I, I would like to think I do. I mean, I mean, I would, uh, you know, always have patience for him. Never. Uh, I would try to always have patience for him. And you know, I, I meet people nowadays. I've, Trained a lot of people myself because uh, I was the second for like, there's really what you're training for is you're training for the second position, right? So, um, so when you go into the training program, don't think that you're going to become DP overnight, right? Right. You're training to, you're, you're joining the union to become, you know, uh, a second assistant, right? So I was the second, again, like as a second assistant, I kind of treated it the way I treated, you know, my internship was. Like, I wanted to know everything about it. And so I was a second assistant probably a lot longer than a lot of my friends were. And uh, so, because I, I, I just didn't want to move up without knowing exactly what I was doing. But, you know, it's kind of funny because when you do move up, even on a day call basis and stuff, you learn your, your job better. So if I was to get a bump up to the focus pulling first assistant category on a, on a day, day basis because we didn't, didn't get anybody or... Yeah. So for whatever reason, when I went back to be a second again, I was better at my job. So uh, because I understood
0: the role of the first
1: assistant a little bit better.
0: It kind of reminds me of uh, um, the AD world that yep. you move up. That I've had friends that take uh, first AD jobs, even though they're second, and they do it because there's nobody else. And then they, when they go back to second, they do it so much better. It's the same sort of yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's across the board. I think if you're – you know it, you a director of photography. It helps to direct. You know, you understand what it's like to be a director. You understand
0: the process, right? So,
1: yeah, more so than just knowing lighting, PP.
0: more than just knowing angles and lighting. Yeah. You have to be able to work with people and um, direct and, and run it. Yeah, 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 hmm. absolutely. Wow.
1: But uh, so, so getting back to uh, the seconding and training thing is is like, I always. Uh, wanted to be as informative as I can. I remember I bored probably many, many trainees by, you know, staying after work, walking to the parking lot with them, chatting with them about the job and stuff like this. You know, Uh, I think there's probably a few people in town would probably say that I I didn't, you know, I would talk forever about the job and, you know, politics of the job and stuff like this and things like that. So, but I tried to make, I tried to give a level of understanding that nobody Kind of gave me, you know, because of, eventually I was going to be competing for their jobs, right? So.
0: Right, but then, yeah. hey, like back then too, uh, people competed for jobs almost because there was, uh, like, if you're talking in the '90s and in in the early 2000s when I first started, there wasn't this volume of um shows being filmed here. Like, it was on were, and off. Yeah, yeah, they, you'd have times. Well, that writer strike kind of put everything on hiatus basically for, I don't know how long yeah. that was. And uh, yeah. then we had the um, credit thing going to Toronto, you know, shows going to Toronto and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's always been like, like there's always like fierce competition between, you know, uh, jurisdictions and stuff like that. So, you know, in, in LA, they, for the longest time, they hated us. So, you know. Oh, yeah. really?
0: Cause it was competition. It was oh, like yeah. the rivalry.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. We were they still probably Those Canadians. <laughs> stealing our, stealing our jobs and whatnot, but that's like, that's, we're all part of the same union. We're all part yeah. of, uh, so it doesn't really kind of hold water. It doesn't make sense, but you know, some producers, I would say probably, you know, uh, in order to get a good deal out of LA might pit back over against LA. So, so and I don't say that that's what's going on now because it seems as though everybody's working and so everybody's happy. But when work gets a little scarce, then you know people start pointing fingers and stuff like that. So right. It's like that the two thousands, like when the dollar was down around sixty-five cents or so. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, there was a you know a lot of people shooting up here that didn't want to shoot up here. It was like it almost seems as though when the dollar's at like uh, seventy-five cents to eighty cents, then you have. Uh, you know people who want to shoot here as a people as opposed to people who are forced to shoot here right so so uh because of budget things and dollar dollar values, so people who come up I don't think they are necessarily you know happy to come up to Canada to shoot you know so it, it, when it was down so low, I remember I'm uh, doing commercials, and a couple of commercial guys were just had nothing good to say about Canada, it was like you know
0: why are you here? Oh moment. yeah, I've had an AD talk about that and he said uh, the director and the, the uh, um, DP were from the States and they just bad Canadians they were all just ignorant and short and stuff and he was like, yeah. I'm on your AD team, I'm here to help you, you don't talk to me that way and he quit the show. Yeah. He actually walked yeah. from the show It got to the point where you don't usually, you stick it out because you, you know, make a commitment, I'll do the show and then yeah. don't work with them again but it just yep. got to that point where it was so rude but this was again, we're talking over 10 years ago. Like today, there's so much content, so much going on. It's, uh, it's the film industry and they don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to hire you, do the job or not, you know? Yep.
1: Yep. No, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a different ballgame. You kind of got to wonder having gone through the ups and downs, how long it's going to sustain itself. But, um, you know, it it could very well be here to stay, Who knows? Well, yeah.
0: Now that everyone has cell phones and you literally have YouTube in your pocket, I mean, yep. I think, uh, uh, and plus everyone's streaming like, uh, Disney. And then uh, there's already, uh, Amazon's trying to compete with Netflix, but yep. all these other ones are starting their own streaming networks. Pay 10 bucks a month, pay bucks a month. Yep. You know, I've got yep. HBO for so cheap now. I forget what it is, but it's cheap. a month. Yep. Like we got rid of cable a while ago.
1: Yeah. Well, here's something for you. I'm working on a, a little thing now called, uh, Fifty States of Terror, and it's uh, for Quibi. Quibi's a new network uh, that's uh, targeting uh, cell phones and iPads and stuff like that. We're making movies for for small screens, so wow, uh, and it's they're really good. We've had um, this is a really is it Canadian? Really, really, no, it's American. It's a very thoughtful thing. Sam Raimi's is our director. You have Sam uh, Raimi as
0: your director. Yep. That is yeah. awesome. I'm yeah. a huge fan of this. Is, oh wow!
1: They're taking it very seriously and uh, hiring really Rachel uh, Brosnahan as our leading lady. And uh, wow, yeah. it's, yeah, it's it, it, it
0: seems like so such a I don't know I don't I don't know I don't know how to say but it seems like because there's four cell phones and tablets and it's like a small format, it's it's wild. They're sinking so much into it, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is wild because, uh, and the thing of it is, is, is that this, you know, it could really fly, you know, so. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems to be that way because, uh, so many people are now addicted to looking at and watching things on small screens. I have friends that watch whole movies on their phone I'm like, yeah. what? I don't personally, but this, you know, I'm 50. I just turned 50. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm from the generation where it was television and the television was thick, you know, Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, that's that's kind of where it all started, right? It was, you know, the TV of the, you know, 60s and 70s and and then the sort of American new wave. That's kind of all, you know, young Coppola's and, and Steven Spielberg's and Martin Scorsese's and, you know, all that stuff. It all came from there.
0: And so, oh yeah. And, and it seems like we're swinging back to television to be the main medium that everyone wants to do now. I mean, you see yeah. all these movie stars doing television shows where before yeah. it was like, it was an insult? Like, oh, you did a TV show. Oh, well, yeah. you even made it to the movies. Or if you saw someone do a TV show, you're like, okay, your career has waned a bit, but now it's not like that at all. Yeah. Hmm. Have you, have you ever done, um, uh, um, on the floor broadcasting live kind of stuff? no oh okay no. it's always been uh just just film it's always more it's tradition. always
1: been it's always been narrative
0: okay yeah yeah
1: hmm. always been uh yeah, narrative drama stuff like that it's always been like that it's uh uh i've thought about it i wanted to get into you know more more of that kind of stuff but you know it's like i don't know you kind of get into uh Again, it's like, you know, if I put more time into my photography, I'd be a better photographer, a better businessman, right. you know, and go and get more more work as a photographer. But, uh, uh, you know, as soon as you get started trying to, okay, this is what I'm going to do, uh, then all of a sudden the phone rings and somebody says, hey, can you come and do my show? And I goes, yeah, sure. You
0: know, <laughs> yeah, and the time you're putting into it. Because once someone makes that call, you are 100% on board of that's your attention. Like, you yep. can't really That's do right. side projects while it's going on, unless you're a hiatus or, you know, there, there's some Even reason. Even so,
1: it doesn't give you enough time, you know. I, I, right. Uh, you know, the two months in between, you want to try, you know, if you do get onto a long-form series and, and you only got two months off a year, you really don't want to work, you know. Um, I uh, did X-Files first season, and uh, I learned that one there, you know. It's, it's, it was... I was, uh, in those days, uh, it was kind of coming to the end of the way the camera departments were structured. Um, we had uh, maybe A and B cameras. We had, uh, like, two operators. We had uh, uh, two focus pullers, and then uh, we only had one second assistant to load. You did a cameras, few
0: years on that.
1: I did four. Yeah. Four years. Wow. And, yeah. And then uh, but the second season was very different from the first season. That's when things changed over. So like I was the only uh, second assistant to load for two cameras and manage all the gear and stuff like this on a truck. And because uh, you're kind of like a I guess a crossover job would be like a, a warehouse shipper uh, receiver kind of warehouse manager. okay kind of thing. And uh, so so you're in charge of getting all the equipment and and knowing uh, so, where the
0: gear is at all times and
1: yeah, and where the film's going and ordering film and yeah exactly so batteries and, and you're too charge, and stuff essentially, yeah batteries essentially in charge of everything that sort of kept the production equipment coming and going from the rental house to the production and right. all the film necessary and uh, that's something that wasn't really explained you had to kind of figure it out for yourself like uh, nobody would say hey you know you're kind of equivalent of like a, a warehouse manager where you have to be mindful of everything that comes in, comes and goes, you know, like, they, you know, supplies uh, or, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the word uh, military. What is it? The canteen or something, you know, anyway. Oh, okay, oh I see. Of,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So you're in, you're in charge of all the things that sort of come and go. And, uh, and then the focus puller is in charge of, you know, taking first assistant focus puller is in charge of sort of uh, being the technical arm of the, the director of photography and, and, you know, in a, in a good, in a, in a real world sort of advising him, about you know, maybe uh, some technical issues that he wants to do that. He may rely on a first focus puller to give him the information to do that because he knows everything. So he'd say cameras. this
0: shot would be better with a movie or with a, with a steady cam or something like that.
1: Uh, well, that's that's another thing altogether. But yeah, something like that. Because that's your it's, shot uh, list. Yeah,
0: you, you start with the shot list. But uh, if they would suggest to the DP, hey, this is this work better this way, kind of thing. I don't know.
1: Well, uh, it, it might be more in terms of like, uh, you know, focus issues that they might have. Might be more like I need a little extra stop, so I would need you. Uh, you would have to light to a, a two eight as opposed to a one four or something like that.
0: Oh, you I know? see.
1: So that kind of thing and uh uh and making suggestions about what technically might work better in under certain circumstances like the difference between uh the, that's kind of an operator thing as to like in a in a ideal world that would be kind of an operator thing as to how the shot is executed but since so many dps come from operating uh, they have a good idea about how they want to do it anyways and then the director would probably say well i really want a steady cam shot so I'm going to design for a Steady Camp shot. This shot, you know, scene 25 is going to be uh, a Steady Camp. So we'll gotcha. design. Yeah. So so I'm going to design this intricate shot. Like, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of times to get out on the floor. I wanted to do this on a Steady Camp the A camera operator might say, well, I think we can do it on a dolly and get a better result, you know, kind of thing, so.
0: Gotcha, so like, it's usually, it's predetermined before you get there, that's just more about the last second if there is something like that, where you're there's like.
1: There's always changes, there's right. always changes that happen, so, you know, you have to be, and that, that's where your experience sort
0: of oh, So, in like, is that why, like, say, because I've been on, on sets where they decide to block shoot, say you know at the last minute they're like actually it's better yeah. if we do all the scenes on this side and then flip it around because yeah. of time and because of um lighting and it would save yeah. for the daytime out the window and stuff there was a bunch of different reasons right but uh they switched yeah. it at the last minute yeah it's it's
1: a kind of a yeah i suppose it's a like in that kind of sense, it would be like a, a fallback strategy. Maybe they're in trouble and they got to get the shot, this stuff done.
0: Or time. Uh, time limit too. Time. We have to get yeah, it done time. today because we don't have this location after today.
1: Yeah. Could be something like that. But you know what? I think that for me, I always, I don't like necessarily block shooting because it seems to me that, you know, you're asking a lot of your actors because right. they don't, they don't get to finish the scene in that space that they're in they're, they move on from one space to another but you know tv is a lot about more a lot about delivering dialogue than it is about you know really high quality acting unless you've got the time and the and the stories and oh and the
0: money and the, yeah. To do that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh, for the listeners actually if they don't know what block shooting is that's when you uh, film everything from one side and then you uh, go to the other side of the room or the other side of the uh, um, scene and then film the exact same thing from the other side for the whole day. It would be a
1: lighting, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so so like it would be, uh, you know, scenes uh, 10, 12, 14, 15, we're going to all shoot one way and then turn around and shoot 10, 12, 14, 15 back the other way again. Right. So So there's like scene breaks in between where, you know, you know, you might sort of lose it as an actor, kind of thing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because so, if you so because it, if you turn it around and and you do it in, in a quicker time, then usually the actor stays in character of that scene yeah. and does it again quite yeah. better or or just more um, just more fluidly. I, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a lighting thing. It's like if you've got a big lighting change a big lighting setup, that's going to that's where that works the best. Because if you shoot it all one way, say. This is my opinion, too. I'm not necessarily a DP of that caliber, but the thing is, is is that it would seem to me that it would be, you know, it would it would move things faster to do it that way, especially if it's, like, very, very technical. So it makes it much more harder on everybody because, then you know, like people who are looking for continuity, script supervisors and that, you know, they have to be really on the ball. Everybody has to be more on the ball because if things change over time, then they have to they don't, you, you, when you turn around, they can't change. They have to be consistent, right?
0: Right. And, and it also, it depends on interior, exterior. There's a lot of things, factors, that factor into it. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. exterior, Most I've seen big be... shows like uh, Walking Dead or other big shows where I see one way it's kind of raining, the other way it's not, you know? Yeah. And you're like, that's, oh. That's, yeah.
1: That's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, there's sort of uh, inconsistencies that sort of happen, you know, that, and it's all about consistency. You don't want to draw. You don't want any details to sort of be in narrative. You don't want things to draw attention. You don't want the furniture to be different. You don't want right uh,
0: the water bottle. Yeah,
1: remember that whole
0: scandal with the Game of yeah. Thrones water bottle. Oh my god!
1: No, you know what? I kind of miss that one, but I, I I know what I know what that's all about. You know because people leave things on set. You know and oh yeah, yeah.
0: Or you, or you say, set are, your water... Actors in... are
1: hiding, they're always hiding and set aside somewhere that might be seen, you know? Oh,
0: yeah. You put your water bubble behind a chair and then they move the chair, you don't know, and then it's in the scene all of a sudden?
1: Yep, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good bit of, like, again, it's like, you know, we have digital so we can see all those things, so technically speaking, it shouldn't happen. And also we have digital and it's really, I don't know, it's like, on my, my editing, uh final cut pro you know you can if you know what you're doing you can take stuff out easy but everything well, that's costs what you, money i, I wonder something like
0: game of thrones they got so much money and it's such a big production it was just missed i guess because you could easily yeah. just scrub it out right yeah
1: okay. that you know costs money so and maybe nobody saw it there's yeah. always a possibility that nobody saw it
0: yeah so. that's true yeah I look at those big productions and I usually since there's so many eyes on it that's why yep. these things come out but how many other shows that don't have really big a following you don't hear about but I see inconsistencies they have a watch on They oh they have their jacket on they don't now yeah. and, and uh, yeah. they had the bad scripties basically or someone watching the the uh, yeah. the consistency so well yeah. uh,
1: I don't think it's a I don't think it's a question of bad I think it's just that so things happen so fast you that's true that's true that that's you, true. You, that. that you know, unless you've got like, that's why one of the reasons why like eighteen-hour days is is a real drag because I think, personally speaking, in my my opinion is is that you know, you, you're not getting anything over twelve hours. You know, you're you're not your crew is getting tired. You're starting to you know, everybody's starting to get grumpy. Yeah. You know, when you're gonna do an eighteen-hour day, it looks great on Thursday afternoon when you get your paycheck, but it's like uh, I don't think. You gain anything production terms, like, by doing long days. It all hits the edit
0: room, editing room floor.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff hits the editing room floor. Lots. Like, tons. If you have two cameras, maybe you only use one. Oh, I've worked I've on one ones can. where they
0: do a huge setup and they build this thing. And it takes, like, two weeks, I'm prepped to build it. And then they film it and they're like, ah, it doesn't look good. And they scrap the whole thing. And it's not even in yep. the production. You're like, that cost you 300000 yeah. or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah yeah wow Hmm. well uh thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me um anytime uh, i appreciate it because you are uh have been in the industry for for quite a while and have been around all these big productions and television shows and movies and it's uh it's really well one one more thing before you go um i was going to ask you were you around when the x-files moved to uh la
1: that was after the fifth season they were you know the funny part about it was is that they'd only talked about five seasons like when when we got together, it was a sort of like a little meet and greet uh, at uh, the old O'Keeffe studios on Arbutus and Guelph or so okay and uh, um, now it's all condos, but uh, uh, then there was this old brewery that they turned into a studio. And uh, they said that we were going to make little, little uh, mini features and uh, we weren't going to really necessarily, we were going to shoot a script uh, without kind of a, you know, uh, a time to it. So, like, I don't know, I think we did 13 days for the first episode or something like that.
0: Oh, okay. And,
1: And it wasn't long before they started saying, hey, we can't do this, you know, we have to pull back and we have to do eight-day episodes and then we'll get a second unit. We had huge second units. We had second units that would run uh, every day. You know, really? Like on a, yeah, like a eight-day episode second unit, you know? And, well, uh, um, for
0: the listener, so they know, uh, a second unit is basically a crew that makes up the stuff that the first unit missed. So if the first unit, say, films uh, a scene at some place, and they don't get all the footage, and there's something missed, a second unit will go back in and film film it. Yep. And that's that's how it works. So when you have an eight-day one, that means they're trying to keep up with it. Like, oh, my God, that's (laughs) really a lot. Well, it was
1: really ambitious. It was super, super ambitious show. And uh, so, like, we went 13 days. Normally, we go eight. So we went into what would be passed off to a second unit for, you know, another you know, five days. Right. So, wow. Yep. <laughs> that it was like, that's, that's, that's where, that's where I bumped up to focus. floor. I would go out and do start doing second units. So,
0: Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'd and then
1: break off from, I break off from main unit and go and do a second unit. I got my, uh, my, uh, my company name. Who's Dan productions from essentially from David Duchovny on X files. that. yeah. He uh, it was a funny little story. John Bartley was our director of photography, and uh, uh, it was I knew it was going to be a really tough show, so I uh got a friend of mine to uh to come in and help me. She was my trainee, and uh, her name was Liz House. And uh, I could leave Liz, she, Liz was so good out of the gate that I could leave Liz on set with Marty McNally, who was my uh focus puller. Right, uh, and uh, and he and they could work together, and and uh, it would the day would get done. Right, so uh, the end of the rotation, her rotation came up, and uh, John was saying, "Jeez, it's too bad that." He said to David Company, "He said it's too bad that uh, we're gonna lose Liz tomorrow." And David said, "Lose Liz? Why? Because like he'd gotten used to working with her on set. Like, right. I'd been off set." doing the background stuff so much. And uh, so he says, uh, so uh, so David said, why are we, why are we losing Liz? And he said, well, she's the trainee and her rotation's up. And she goes, I thought she was the second. He says, no, Dan's the second. And uh, he says, uh, well, can't we get rid of Dan and keep Liz? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, no, he said, who's Dan? Can't we get rid of Dan and keep Liz? And I go, when I started my production company, I said, oh, who's Dan might be a good one.
0: <laughs> so, but, yeah. Who's dead? That's <laughs> the name. Of your It's hilarious.
1: <laughs> so I went up to David out and I said, "I'm, I'm going to call my my production because uh, we joked about it a few times." And uh, uh, I said, "I'm going to call it Who's Dan production people."
0: Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I met uh, David company Actually, it was a movie. Uh, when I first PA'd, it was the X-File movie. Yeah, probably 2006, 2007. I don't know, a long time ago. But
1: uh, yeah, I like those guys. They were really, uh, you know, him and Jillian were really great people. And, uh, you know, it was it was a real pleasure to work with them, you know. And I think it's like you've worked out in the rain and stuff like this. And like I was just working out in the rain a couple of days ago when it was torrential. And it was like, you know, I remember when David said all that. I said, yeah, he was absolutely right. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're all you know David David and Jillian weren't necessarily my friends but Liz yeah. and Marty were my very good friends so.
0: nice but it was it was a great production to work for like you, you had fun on that one
1: yeah we had lots of fun I mean it was hard 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 work but we had a lot of fun on it too and a lot of great people came through that camera department and became like really 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 good at their craft after after that nice you know post post X-Files you know
0: that's wild. And then you, yeah. you started doing films? Uh, films? Because, yeah, I after that, at, well, after the X-Files, uh, uh, um, I'm looking so, at so your... So I re- stayed
1: in there. As a focus puller, you've got it much more. As an assistant, this is an assistant's town. I think a lot of people should understand it. Uh, for the most part, this is an assistant's town. It's like the people who work in the camera department are, uh, are always going to work as assistants.
0: Oh, okay. Because,
1: yeah, because they could bring in their own operators. They can bring in their own DP's and stuff like that. And so, so consequently, they don't always bring it. Depends on the budget. Again, like if you're talking about like a huge, huge feature, uh, then they might bring in their own focus pullers. But we got world class focus pullers here. So oftentimes they'll just hire our our local focus focus pullers, and we're happy to do that. You know, because our guys have had like experience on multi million dollar. Pictures, right?
0: right massive
1: so, yeah but for for the most part like if you want to sort of a guaranteed job in the industry then you want to sort of focus on being an assistant uh when you get up in the camera operators they may not always need a camera operator uh and uh you know and, and you have to be on uh, in good terms with the community because the community sticks together and so like if you're sort of not highly regarded as a camera operator, assistants will say, I don't want to work with that guy. So you have to, yeah. So I would, you know, you always have to sort of, and people sort of test you out, you know, they want to see what you're kind of made of. And, you know, so they might give you a hard time, but if you get, if you have thick skin, uh, then you can, uh, you can, you can pretty much get a job and have a good career. I'm not saying that people are uh, out and out abusive, but I'm saying that, you know, like, you need a sense of humor. You need to...
0: Right. You know, there's
1: a, there's, there's reliable, a
0: lot of things. That, uh, uh, yeah. Sense so of humor, reliable, and, and you know... Hardworking. And part of know, a team. Be able focused. to work with a team. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and also, you know, know that, uh, um, you know, the better natured you are, the better, better off you're going to be, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I've stuck to principles a couple of times and I've paid for it you know, uh, oh, I think wow. everybody, I think a lot of people have, you know, uh, but, uh, and I mean, I'm not saying that you got to be unprincipled, but I'm just saying you sort of have uh, like, maybe I was too strident. Right. And, uh, and too so sensitive. if I would have light too sensitive, too strident, if I would have lightened up a little bit, you know, uh, I know people who are kind of the same as me that, uh, did have a little bit that weren't as strident as I was at various times, and uh, they uh, weathered things a lot better than, than say me. Uh, I'm not saying I didn't do too badly. I've done very very well. I've had a really great career. So, so in a sense that didn't didn't hurt me. But I you know in retrospect I think I could have uh, you know played the game a little bit better than than I could, than I did say. Yeah, but you learn you as know, you go, for,
0: and now you're you're sitting in a pretty good position now.
1: Yeah, and my my thing was this, is that I had a you know personal friend that hired me on a show, and uh, one thing led to another to put him into a tight spot. So he had to say this thing you gotta you kind of gotta go, and uh, you know I kind of got a bit indignant about it. You know if I would have just said yeah sure you know, I got it you know you know uh, then he would have said he would have been you know saying okay in the next show I'll hire. Dan again because uh, you know he's not going to he's not going to make me look bad or anything like that. Right. Not that I did. I mean, that show worked out, anyways. Uh, but uh, I think there was you know some on my part there was a little bit of uh, you know I was a little bit put out. So, yeah. And I and I don't think that that
0: goes well. And now you're more accepting and you're just. You don't uh, yeah, make don't so think, much of a stink take, or make it like a, get so upset. Yeah, I don't, so don't think,
1: take things as, don't, think, don't take things as personally as I, I used, I ah. did once upon a time,
0: yeah. Because that's the artist, but, eh? <laughs> you're looking at it as an yeah. artist's eye instead of just uh it,
1: Yeah, it's just a, it's just something that happens. And, uh, you know, for me, it was a, a new thing, you know. Uh, I was always, you know, you're always like, in those days, you didn't know whether, you know, dailies were going to come back and you were going to get fired or whatever, you know, I think you got to get fired once in, or twice in order to be okay. So, you know,
0: to learn it's not as
1: bad, it's not as bad as I think it's going to be, you know, so, you know, uh, and now I can really do my job. Right. Right. So in that sense, it's like, uh, I got, uh, okay. So i have gone for five or six years of not getting fired and all of a sudden that, I felt like I got fired on this particular show and uh, I took it much more personally than I should have because I wasn't really fired, but you know, for me. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, if that's what being fired is about then I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And uh, I never did. And I, you
0: know, recovered and everything was great. Nice. So, so so that's, that, that would be the advice. Don't take it so personal, like let it go because you can really hurt yourself in the future if you don't, uh, if you, yeah, I'm not, if sure. Really I'm not sure what happened. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure what happened with uh, your friend who was in the training program, but that's probably what happened—some uh, something like that. You know, taking it far too personal, and then
0: that's exactly I think what happened because he was a sensitive yeah. guy and he would get right upset and indignant pretty quick, and then hey, that doesn't serve when you you have to look at it like I don't know with with an accepting thing. I mean, not everyone's going to be nice and not everyone's going to be hard, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's if you're more accepting and don't take things so personally, you'll you'll work a lot yeah. easier. Yeah,
1: at the end of the day, you gotta leave the job. You know, like if, uh like one of my well, what Angela told me was, is it's one shot at a time, right? It's like uh, you you do this shot, and then you you do, you essentially set up and do the next shot. And the way that you did the last shot is exactly the way you're going to do the next shot, right? So you have right. your procedure. You have all your procedures and things like this, and it's just a rep- repetitive thing, you know. When you get going really fast, you rely on that as a as a kind of a, a habit, uh, you know.
0: Hmm. So. Okay, well, thank you again. Uh, this is this has been fantastic talk, and uh, I so appreciate your wisdom around well, working thanks. in the camera department. I've I personally have never worked camera, but I've had so many friends that have done that and been DPs, and uh, yeah, you ha- uh, really have a wealth of knowledge from all your time working in the film.
1: Well, it's you know you got I, I I always try to give it back. You know, like uh, it's uh, it's a fantastic job you know it's a fantastic department and uh uh you know for for somebody who was really looking forward to a life of maybe you know seasonal farm work and construction work once upon a time it's like you know this is the thing that that liberated me made me fly became the person that i am today so you know, I, I take any opportunity I can to give it back to, uh, you know, somebody from starting out, you know?
0: Well, I'm sure a lot of the people that work with you appreciate it. I hope. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Well, thank you again. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed our talk. All right. Thanks. That was fantastic. I hope everyone has a great week and weekend. Take care.